This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people, and we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Konnichiwa, Sablekuzan. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, aka the Blasian Blurred. And this is episode 218. My guest today is Tristan, not to be confused with my husband Tristan, just a complete other whole Tristan existing out in the world somewhere. (laughs) Um, If your name is Michael or Jennifer, I don't know, Rebecca, maybe, John, this probably is not a weird experience to you at all. And it never makes you giggle when you meet another person who has your name, which when you have a name like Tristan and myself... And I guess in this case, I'm referring to my husband, Tristan, because we've had so many conversations about it. Didn't specifically have this conversation with Tristan on the show. It's really bizarre to run into people that have your name. I talked about it before. I've only encountered about five Charmaines in my whole life. And one of them was named after me. And one of them was my cousin's middle name. And we didn't even know that until we were like in second or third grade. So, you know. But yeah, I haven't really experienced it too often, and it's so uncomfortable for me every time I do. I actually really don't like it. For my husband, Tristan, he runs into people named Tristan more often than I do, but it's still very rare. Definitely the movie Legends of the Fall changed that when Brad Pitt's character was named for Tristan. And people would love to come up and tell him, oh, do you know why I named my son Tristan? It's like, yeah, it does, Brad Pitt, that's why. We we understand. Um, But anyways, it's always weird, and it does make me giggle, so boom. That's all I have to say about that. Um, This Tristan was a doll. I had so much fun talking with him, and I look forward to sharing his episode with you. Uh, Tristan is of French and Filipino heritage, born and raised in London. Shout out to E17. And currently lives in Sweden, which sent me down a personal rabbit hole during this discussion because he and I both share or are sharing the experience of being brown mixed people living in a country that we do not share uh, ethnic or ancestral heritage to. Him doing it a lot longer, and and in Sweden, where the main population is white. Me, while I would say I don't look like the local population, when I travel or when I'm just existing in the world, I do get misidentified as Latine a lot. I don't believe it's happening here that often. It is only happening a little bit. But once people can tell I don't speak Spanish, I think it becomes a lot more clear that I'm not of uh, Mexican heritage. So I would say that both of us don't look like the people we live near. That being said, I have been discussing facing like an invisibility here that I've never had anywhere else before, anywhere that I've traveled or in the United States. So, you know, I blend in enough. I, I, that, I part, that part I can acknowledge. But we ended up talking a little bit about what it is like for, for two people who have a mixed heritage, or I suppose 
a monoracial heritage where you're moving to a place where the people just don't look like you even a little bit. But since we're mixed people, that tends to be even the place that we were born. And so it was nice to get a chance to talk to another person who was experiencing that in real time too. And he's a lot farther along in it. He has been in Sweden for, for five years and I've only been here in Mexico for a few months. So it was, it was really nice to get into that. I will say I talk a lot on this episode because almost everything Tristan brought up, I had an, I had an experience too. And it was a lot of me too, oh my gosh, kind of conversation. But we really had fun. I have a feeling I'm going to find other ways in which to gain conversations with Tristan uh, because, you know, there's just some people you meet during the course of this podcasting thing where you start talking to someone, you're like, you and I are going to become friends. It happened with Teresa Stovall, and now we do Mixed Auntie Confidential episodes. It happened with Rhea from the Mixed Race Mama podcast, and now we're building Macha and Masala. Uh, Rohan Jolie, Asian Soph, Naturally Mona Lisa, Dr. Jen, Sarah Lotus. You know, there's just some people that started out as complete strangers and only met because I was podcasting and then later on ended up having in-person relationship, friendship, business relationship, creative project relationship, something like that, uh, born out of meeting through Militantly Mixed. And I think Tristan's going to be one of those people because I really dug him and we had a lot in common a lot to share before we get into today's episode i uh, do just want to highlight a couple of things that i haven't brought up in the last few weeks but needs p- people need to know about one of those things is the be your mix sf anthology we are still currently in the reading and reviewing period of it um, with the hope that we go into publication sometime during the fall and since i have uh, readjusted my deadline for this project multiple times and giving myself the grace to be like I said it at the beginning the one of the things I said in January of 2023 was that this is the 2023 project and so when we've extended our deadline to receive more entries and things like that it was all in the hopes of of making this first 2023 book project to be as big a deal as we can make it. So we are currently in the reading and reviewing period. And once that closes out, we'll start to transition into publication mode. And when that happens, that'll be when we email everybody to let y'all know this is where we're at with it. Um, That is what is stated in the confirmation email that people received after they submitted. But I have seen some comments on Instagram like, where's this at? Um, and, you know, nothing's changed. It's still the same thing that we, we said in the confirmation email. And when I'm on my intros and stuff like that, it's that we're in the reading and review period, which takes a lot of work. And there's only two people doing it. And as soon as we get that done and we transition into the publication period of it, we will let everybody know. We'll update everybody then. Uh, this is the 2023 project. So as long as it's published and released before 2023 ends, uh, we'll be fine. It'll be good. So that's that's what's going on with that. Uh, the next thing is something that I, I should have been bringing up. So really to my own detriment and to the detriment of the show to a bit. Militantly Mix is a fan-sponsored podcast. And it is only with the support of the fans that I am able to keep this show going and growing. It's it's not my desire or my effort because that is there every day. It is, is literally just the funds to keep the show going. At this point, I'm always in the red every month. So I need to get back on that horn and start reminding people that it really, really does help. The The sponsorship that we receive from our fans really does help keep things going. If you'd like to support the show, 
you can go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed and donate as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish. And you can do that as at either the monthly subscription or annual subscription. So a dollar a month to $12 a year or anything that you would like above that. The other way to do that is to drop some coins in the tip jar, which is to go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and like I said, drop some coins in that tip jar or to buy merch from the militantlymixed.com website's merch tab. I do have a new water bottle up there. It's a thicken, so you might enjoy it. It's got the Militantly Mixed logo on it. Check that out, as well as um, the logo tees and the message tees and all that kind of stuff. But those are the three best ways to support the show. You can also go to the Spotify app and do a listener support that way as well. Uh, but for the most part, those three, for the most part, those three, merchandise, PayPal, or Patreon are the way to go. And every little penny does help. Honestly, I as said before, I would rather have $101 a month sponsors than one $100 a month um, sponsor because a one $100 a month sponsor could end at any time and can dramatically shift the direction of whether or not I'm able to keep the show going in one go, whereas $101 a month sponsors will help keep us going even if I lose a few. So... If you listen to the show regularly, if you get anything out of it and you're able to spare at least a dollar a month, uh, that would be really great. Five dollars, even better. All the way up to anything that you would like, but it's really somewhere between that one and five dollar a month area that is the bread and butter of the show. And I would def I would very much appreciate keeping this thing going and being able to pay the off the debt that I incur every month from uh, from trying to keep this thing alive. All right. That, that's my begging, I guess. Ah, so let's get into today's show. Uh, I always hate, I always, I, blah, blah, blah. I always hate the money part. I'm getting better at it. I think I don't know, but yeah, I hate it. It's whatever. Okay, it's fine. Moving on. Uh, that's it. So let's get into the show. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Tristan. <laughs> Today, I'm joined by Tristan, which is so strange to talk to a Tristan that is not my husband. Welcome, Tristan. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and let's get into it. Sure. Uh, my name's Tristan. I am 37 years old. I am Filipino and French. I'm originally from London, Northeast London, to be specific. Uh, E17 represent for any London <laughs> listeners. Uh, but I am now living in Stockholm, Sweden, and I've been here for the last four and a half years. It's I so I'm really excited to have you here just generally, but also like as a fellow mixed person who decided to move to a country that we don't actually come from yeah. uh, in our ancestry. Like I'm 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 ready to get into into this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's being a Filipino French person in England like? <laughs> before we started this week. <laughs> it was something I never I never really thought about it growing up um like London is such a 
diverse city. Mm. Um, my school, you know, looking at photos from when I was at school of my class, and it was a third black, um, a third white, and a third different types of brown people. So mm. it was such a like mixed city to grow up in. Um, right. You know, my friends were somewhere like mixed as well. Like I had one good friend who was half Filipino, half white. Um, another friend who is half Filipino, half Pakistani. Mm. Um, and then Man, you know, Filipinos are out in England. I didn't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're making up. Uh, it seems like ninety percent of the national health service. <laughs> really? I yeah, mean, that, that's fair. That happened here too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds great that there was actual like, because America being a very diverse place, you're still very mm. segmented, you know, yeah. all the time. And your schools, yeah. you might be the only brown person in, in your class or, or the reverse, the only yeah. white person in your class or something like that. So it's nice that you at least got to grow up with a bunch of different types of, of folks Definitely. when you were yeah. coming up. And I know I was very fortunate to go to a school in that part of London where it is very mixed. But, you know, there are other places in the UK where there will just be that one brown person mm-hmm. in an entire school. Um, so I think London, especially where I was, is a bubble where mm. you know, we didn't think Brexit was going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's just like, how? Yeah. How are we not the like majority? Paradise, but then forget that there's a whole other country and a whole other world where it's not. Like... Oh, yeah. I've, I've been on the English countryside with my fully British yeah. white cousin and having people in the in the shops ask us questions like, what is the relationship between you two? And we're like, we're cousins. Yeah. They're like, no, that doesn't make any sense because you're brown. <laughs> how how is this possible Uh, that kind of thing like growing up in London so my mum is the eldest of nine kids she's the only one that lived in the UK Mm. but then she had three cousins move over um all women they all married white guys they all had kids and the kids came out lots of different shades of whites to you know yeah rich peach color and rich then... peach oh i love it rich peaches that's a new one for me <laughs> yeah and then i came out and the filipino gene was very strong with me mm-hmm. so them saying yeah this is my cousin and it's like what it's amazing <laughs> that people can't conceive of genetics working in the ways yeah. that it does because uh, even like side by side me and my brother we don't look like siblings i actually look more like cousins of mine yeah. and vice versa than than my brother and I my full brother and I actually yeah. actually look so it's it's pretty wild so your father is is French is he French directly from France or yeah. multiple generation French yeah he's from um a little village near Bordeaux and yeah his family have been there for generations and generations mm. it's quite a yeah I think a lot of people, when you think, okay, yeah, they're from France, maybe they're from Paris and having this, mm-hmm. you know, Parisian vision of what a French person is like. But this was just a little village in France. Country folks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all got our country folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think his parents had a little house where we'd go every summer mm. and we'd hear stories about how... They used to own a lot more land around the area, but sold it off and they're just left with this little patch. And now it's just a cornfield plus houses. Mm. Mm. 
that's actually how some of our Japanese family la- land is. Like we used mm. to be samurai and like mm. had all this land. And then my mother's, no, my great, how many generations back? My double great grandfather, two generations yeah. back, I guess was a bit of an alcoholic and just would like give land away to the sharecroppers and stuff. And so we got down to where it's just like this, just the house and just a little bit of surrounding land. But yeah. we could literally walk this whole prefecture and it would have been our ancestral lands. That's but just think of all that maintenance if you still had it. I know. Too much work. But it would be cool like if you could have plots of where extended family communes were like, yeah. I'll take these sacred and stuff. Like in 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 my head now, I kind of wish I grew up more like that um, than than the way that I did. But you know, it's also I'd be tending to land that I don't necessarily know if I have a knack for. Uh, did you speak French? Did you have a little bit of French language growing up? No, we learned French in school, but mm. anyone that has learned a second language in school knows how useless it, yeah. it is. Like, how many times am I going to need to book a campsite? <laughs> or, or like, how many people am I going to ask where the library is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I've yeah. never had to ask that question. So um, when we went to France, my dad would always have to be the translator. Mm. Um, and he's not the most talkative man. So you can imagine oh. the conversation between me and my grandparents via my dad was really flowing. <laughs> I did three years of French in school. And then by the time I went to Paris, I got us around enough. Uh, I have an uncle that was a Spaniard and my grandmother that was Japanese. And between all of us, we used our, you know, my little bit of French and their Spanish and Japanese to get us around. Luckily, there's a lot of Japanese tourists, so it it worked out. Uh, And then I can watch movies sometimes and not, you know, I can look away a little bit, not always have to rely on the subtitles. But then after 20 years, it's just faded. I haven't practiced it. It's pretty much gone. I moved here to Mexico three months ago. Someone will ask me a question in Spanish. I can answer in French. I don't, I can't answer in Spanish, but somehow I comprehend enough to figure out what the answer is. And the answer pops up in my head in French. I do not know what happened. I don't know why that's happening. For me, it's the reverse. When, so now I go to France, Mm. someone speaks to me in French and now I reply in Swedish. (laughs) (laughs) So how is your Swedish now that, since you've been there for five years, I'm I'm very curious because I'm just three months into living in my new country. Were you able to pick it up? I yeah so I had a period a very long period of not having a job um so in that time I went to Swedish school they do Mm. um Swedish for immigrants classes so I did that for like a year and had a bar job um and then did a few advanced levels so now I can sit in meetings and they can talk in Swedish so yeah no one can chat shit they can't talk about you yeah that's that's the only level of spanish i want to achieve like yeah make sure you're not talking about me i want to get it to a point where it's good enough that i can start gossiping with someone in swedish in another country and no one else understands yes that's that's (laughs) really the whole point of learning languages as far as yeah like my grandma didn't teach us japanese but what little we knew we knew how to say people's races yeah. We had to talk about money and we knew had to talk about where we had to go to the bathroom. Like that was the, like, essentially that was all that we could do so that, you know, my grandma could be like, look at that Hakujin over there. And we'd know we were talking about that white person over there. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. So I want to talk a little bit about something that you said in, in your, your form, your entry form to, to come on the show is you said that you had more of a sort of like, you probably would have described yourself more as a mixed person when you were growing up in London and such. But mm-hmm. once you moved to 
Sweden, you kind of more leaning into more of the Filipino identity, mostly because of your appearance and your presentation and how people perceive you. Was that a very active transition or did it just kind of happen because of your environment? I think it, it definitely happened because of the environment. I think it was the number of times that I would have to explain I'm French and Filipino Mm-hmm. And the questions about, oh, is your dad like white French? Um, oh, like what kind of French? And friend? having to explain all of these things. And oh, what skin color does your dad have? Interesting. And yeah, like what kind of features does he have? And I think it was just the, the amount of explaining I would have to do and mm. almost like defending my heritage right. to help people understand. And, you know, it felt like it was getting to the point where I'd have to show them family pictures for people to believe that ah, I am the product of a Filipino woman and a white French man. Um, yeah, so Like that, think, that whole thing, like prove it, show me your parents yeah, type of thing is yeah. so ridiculous. But I've experienced it too. I, I, have, I have one in my phone for those times when you need to do it. <laughs> It's like an ID card ready to yeah, show. Yeah, right. <laughs> like your papers, please, right? You know, it's like yeah. the, the extra passport you have to have as a mixed yeah. person. Yeah. It's and funny think... that they focus so much on what your father's skin tone. I guess a lot of us sort of look more like our fathers generally, like genetically yeah. we tend to, um, because that was the way to get fathers to actually not abandon you. Mm. Like scientifically, that's what they've d- d- discerned. So if you do look more like, do, like, do you look like your father, but have your mother's skin tone? Is that... I look exactly like my mum. You do? from here. From that, right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have my dad's, like, mouth. (laughs) Filipino (laughs) jeans were strong. They were not going to let this imperialist (laughs) DNA come in. My brother, um, he looks like he's from the Middle East. Okay. So he got the, like, the narrow head of my dad Mm. with the thick, dark hair and the thick, black eyebrows and the big dark eyes um so me and him together it's yeah we don't know related <laughs> yeah it's funny too like I was saying that to you too like my my brother and I don't look like siblings we look like yeah. you can vaguely tell we're related like there's something that'll tell you we're related we have very similar like jaw lines or something yeah. like that but but you sit me next to my cousin and or you put me next to my aunt and I on my dad's side and that's it makes it way more obvious what family yeah. is mine. It's, it's, I, I love how weird we turn out like not weird, but you know, like how strange it is that we can just look like all the things. Cause I, yeah. I definitely yeah. am walking around my father's face, but I have my mother's this part of my nose, like the Asian lack of bridge thing. Yeah. And then that, like, that's, that's her right there. The skin tone and the, this like half of my nose. up. Yeah. Um, everything else is my dad it's and great. if you saw me side by side of him I, all I'm missing is the skin color like because I didn't take what, after my what about mannerisms do you share any mannerisms from your family yes yeah, so I'm very much like an old Japanese man like my great-grandfather <laughs> <laughs> I have like the position where I, and I didn't realize this had started until recently but I do the like old Asian man like your hands behind your back yeah yeah and you're like lean while you're standing so I have I that started and I look just like my great-grandfather when I do that um (laughs) 
behaviorally i'm very similar to my japanese grandmother but but also like i grew up predominantly with my black family so i have very black mannerisms very black things but um there's just little things that i do that are very much like i can like i'm somehow like a young black person and an old japanese man at the same time like that's the vibes (laughs) (laughs) but then i just i was telling you like i have a cadence that is very similar to like the British British language cadence. And even though I don't always slip into an accent, although I, I can very often and I'm, I'm, I've been very aware of it the whole time we've been talking, like I'm waiting for it to come out. um, uh, (laughs) I, uh, but I do have the cadence and stuff like that. And so there's times people will pick up that I am British or something, or, or I've been asked like, did I live in Britain for a while? because of the way my my cadence the way i end kind of on and up yeah i guess uh and you know i mean i'm definitely a product of all these people like i've had all these accents i've had all these behaviors Uh, i definitely lean towards old man behavior though that's that like whatever all the old men that were in my family which there weren't very many of them there were definitely more women than men um i picked up the old man genes for sure i think that's great What about you? Do you notice stuff like that about you and different relatives? Um, I think I'm definitely turning into my mum. Okay. Um, Those Filipino genes were strong. Really strong. (laughs) I love (laughs) it. She she raised me like the daughter she never had. Excellent. (laughs) Me me around the house with my, yeah, I shouldn't really admit it, but my passive aggressiveness. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you probably couldn't get away from passive aggressiveness. Like (laughs) growing up in Britain, that's just those are the vibes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What about your dad? Do you see anything from from you for your dad? It's my parents are like the complete opposites. So Mm -hmm. yeah, my dad I mentioned is quite. He's a man of few words, but mm-hmm. he can get going on subjects. So he's quite into politics and food and wine, like a typical French man. Mm-hmm. And then my mum is, she is an extrovert. She needs people around her and she needs to be hosting and entertaining. Um, and I think I'm like in the middle. I've definitely mm. got a bit of the like, yeah, another lovely quality. Got the passive aggressiveness from my mum in the Maybe slight arrogance from my dad. Excellent. <laughs> such a catch. <laughs> I know sometimes like you just sit there and you look at yourself and you're like, I'm kind of the worst possible combination in this particular area. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot about some different things. My my sexuality is where I think I have the worst combination because I'm a bisexual who's more sexually attracted to women, but more romantically attracted to men. That's the stupidest combo. <laughs> the stupidest combo ever. Are you kidding me? This is dumb. What are we doing? It's so stupid. I love it though. I want to see I want to see what like a passive aggressive extroverted Filipino arrogant French I want to see it. I want to see it happen in person. Let's, yeah. Let's make it happen. Well, okay. I got to ask this question. I usually ask it towards the end, but you come from two cultures where food are just the food is yeah. out of control. Yeah. Do you have a food combo? Do you have a hybrid food? Do you have a French Filipino? Uh, do you know what? I don't. But I think the thing that makes that kind of brings them together. 
it's just there's always a lot of garlic. Fair. But I have been thinking about how I could do a fusion and maybe some kind of confit type mm. meat with some kind of adobo, yes. which is like super, super, super slow cooked adobo where yes. it is just like falling apart. Like I would be present for that. If if yeah. that ever happens, let me know. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Make an adobo, but cook it for 24 hours. <laughs> right, right. Have you, okay, so you're living in Sweden now and you've sort of leaned more in because, and I understand it, like presentation wise, it's it just makes it easier sometimes. Yeah. Do you feel that you're losing any aspects of, of any part of the French identity that you carry or? It's in terms of the French identity I had, it was very light mm, because, mm. you know, whereas my mom comes from a big family and we always had a big Filipino community around us. Mm -hmm. My dad, his family was his parents and one brother um, mm. who he wasn't that close to. So we never grew up you know, experiencing life as French, people, French people other than the two weeks we'd go to visit my grandparents. Um, I think he probably expressed Frenchness through his appreciation of certain things mm -hmm. and how he carries himself. And I think those are the things that, you know, I will carry with me as well. Mm. I would never, you know, be showy about them the way that I would be with being Filipino because it's just yeah I, I, so, I, it's just the way that I grew up with yeah and Asian communities even though like Japanese I've talked about on the show are very assimilative um we still really hold on to our Asian like ness yeah. like it's still very present and especially in the states and I and in a lot of places in the world like especially Chinese people, Chinese people always maintain a community. Filipino yeah. always maintain a community. Japanese yeah. may or may not. Uh, Korean people will maintain a community. But you don't really think about like French town. You know, there's yeah. a Chinatown, there's a Koreatown. You know, there's yeah. never like French town. Yeah, yeah. In these non-French countries. Yeah. And I think it, it may have something to do with, you know, to be a French person in Europe versus a Filipino person mm -hmm. outside of Asia where mm. you are a minority, you know, maybe the French side is easier to relinquish because gotcha, yeah. you're in Europe anyway. But yeah. the Filipino side or the more minority side, you kind of have to, I feel like maybe I have to make a, more of a stand with it and mm -hmm. for it to be more of a part of my identity because it is going to be something that people are going to be mm -hmm. expecting from me, maybe. And just we end up being responsible for normalizing our yeah. existence in a way that other people, white people in particular, any yeah. white person from anywhere yeah. um, with any accent can exist yeah. in a lot of places pretty freely yeah. where any brown person with any accent within, from yeah. any country doesn't necessarily yeah. have that. And so we, we pretty much have to like prove to you we're normal and can and can be a part of the society yeah um which, which is awful <laughs> which is absolutely terrible um, yeah we can function I can right see. you know like look at us like we can eat yeah. food and you know we yeah. pick up after ourselves you know we're, i can use a bathroom to... i can pay taxes right? you know like goodness gracious oh uh, what <laughs> what made you decide to both leave 
the UK, but also to go specifically to a place like Sweden, a very monoracial type of yeah environment. Yeah. My partner got a job here, mm. so we did long distance for a year, and I think the more I was coming here, the more I was seeing it's such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm and everything works really well there's space there's nature but then I think that was in a period of my life when yeah, I was in a London bubble and yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't really aware because I hadn't had to question lots of parts of my identity being right, yeah. in London about what it was going to be like moving here and it being yeah this monoracial country where you know I think a lot of people would might say it is diverse, but at the same time, it isn't really. Not to mm. badmouth Sweden. But, no, um, I understand. Like, mm. it's a very international place because, or at least maybe the main cities, Stockholm, yeah. something like that. But at the same time, it's still a very monocultural yeah. type of area. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the way of life here is. I don't feel like it's the most open place. It's very hard to like break into like a, mm. a group of people and to really integrate. Um, you know, it might have been different if the language thing I had picked up <laughs> and made a bit more of an effort with. Mm. But yeah, it is hard to like break into like a friendship group and like meet lots of Swedish people and for to be accepted. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. that you brought this up because I'm literally thinking about that same thing too. Like I... I'm a person, I don't need a lot of friends. Um, yeah. I don't even need to see you very often. But um, but whenever I live in a new place and I move around a lot, like every five years I move to a different city, I can leave behind a city and friends and no big deal. Whoever's yeah. going to stay my friends will stay my friends long distance. Yeah. It'll be fine. Whoever won't, okay, moving on. Yeah. But when I got here, like about three months in, I suddenly got really lonely in a way I've never been lonely before. Mm -hmm. Like I've always been able to move to a different city and start new. And I was like, I have, it's not just that I need to make a friend at least yeah. it's that there's this whole language and culture that yeah. I am not a member of that I do not have access to yet. And yeah. to try to figure out like, I don't want to only make friends with other Americans that moved here too. You know, yeah. like I want yeah. to embed in some way yeah. shape or form but yeah. the the length of time it'll take for me to achieve you know like you said like if you can successfully gossip yeah. in Swedish like you'll make it for me <laughs> I think if I can su successfully do an episode of militantly hmm. mixed say with a Spanish-speaking mixed person yeah. that would be amazing like I, I would be really proud of myself if I can achieve yeah. that but even just being able to have a Spanish-speaking friend that I don't yeah. that won't have to switch into English for me yeah. But would switch into English if they wanted to. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a huge achievement. But like, oh, it's, that seems like five, six years away. Um, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. Uh, I didn't I didn't really. I'm so used to being comfortable alone that all of mm -hmm. a sudden I was like, oh, shit, I don't know anybody. I'm in a whole nother yeah. country. You know, like, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Because another thing that we are, like me and my partner are lacking is like gay friends. Yeah. And, you know, I think about my little clique back in London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like gay boys who were Asian plus some lesbians and, yeah. you know, and a token white person. You always got to, yeah, you need, you need one. You need someone yeah. to talk to the cops. Uh. <laughs> so when we try to explain to people here, you know, we're lacking this kind of 
in our community right. for us. And so, oh, well, I know, you know, this gay person, but that gay person is not going to be ticking all of these other like right just because we're gay doesn't mean that we have the same alignment absolutely yes yes absolutely i and then you piece in the whole kind of all of the other identity aspects like the mixedness and Mm -hmm. people that can relate to that in some way and also just the london experience you know growing up together and yeah it's 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 a hard combination to try and match (laughs) <laughs> you I wish we were in the same country because literally you're checking all the same issues that I I'm experiencing as well because I I found a whatsapp group that's just black expat queer people and oh, wow. you know like so we just have a little whatsapp group I've yeah. met two of them in person you know and uh, nice. went to the mall for a day uh but that's like been the extent of of the friendship so far but it's just like even if I find a fellow queer like a fellow polyamorous queer person because mm. that's another level of difficulty you know for me to to try to partner with someone to be like well i'm married to a man but i'm mostly you know like i'm sexually gay but i'm like emotionally straight i don't fucking know um you know like how do you sit there and then you're also polyamory polyamorous and stuff like that and and to try to explain that to someone where you don't even actually have the same language or didn't grow up with the same oppressive moments like queerness Mm -hmm. the oppression of queerness is different in different places and and yes, it is way more comfortable and way more safe to have fellow people that are, if not all of your intersections, at least one of the main ones, your racial yeah. or ethnic identity. Yeah. And um, I'm far more comfortable in a space with Black queer po- folks than I am yeah. in a space with uh, white ones. Yeah. I've been invited to speak at white LGBT events and literally been told, you'll be our one, as oh. in like, our, our, what, our one what? Our one brown? Our one gender, you know, like by gendered person, our one polyant, like what, what is yeah. the one thing that I am? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that, like being able to find that shorthand. So I don't have to explain a whole bunch before we hang out. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. And that's then explaining again when you are hanging out. When you are hanging out. Yeah. And explaining yeah. something else yeah. about something that's not really your issue, but it's your place. Yes. You know? And it's so weird, like even as being a, a multiracial person with mm. interracial parents, uh, well, both of my parents were biracial too, so that, and then myself also being in an interracial primary relationship to now add a language as a thing, as a separation of the thing and be like, you know, you just don't have the same, like, you, you just don't have the same kind of gay shit that I have to go through. Like, you just don't, I don't, you know, so how do we get there? I, 100%. Yeah. I um that yeah that was not something that I anticipated as part of my thought process of moving Mm. abroad I think moving Mm. abroad I was really just thinking about like relinquishing some of the pressures of of being a brown person in the United States and that being my primary I guess main focus main issue that that was the thing that I thought of and I thought secondarily I'll figure out the queer shit you know like I just I'll figure it out when I get here and then I got here and I'm like where are they? First of all, I don't even know how to detect them here. It's not as overt here as it is um, where I come from. And then when you start to see it, it's too overt for me. (laughs) It's a whole different style (laughs) um, for me. And I was just like, oh, there you are. I didn't realize we were (laughs) naked down the street in the middle of the afternoon. It's hot outside. You know, like, so there's things like that, like there's not being able to find the tribe, I think yeah. is, um, is something that we already struggle with as mixed folks yeah. in some areas. Um, I mean, I'm so happy that you had like 
mixed and Filipino community too, like as you were growing up, but uh, it's weird to go, it's weird to remove yourself from that. It's really strange. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize it would be something I would be not necessarily battling with, but really thinking a lot about while mm -hmm. I've been here. Um, you know, I, I did think, yes, Sweden, there's a lot of like tall blonde people, but yeah, like I mentioned, being on a bus in the mornings, going to work and being the only brown person amongst the sea of blonde hair. Mm -hmm. That would be so though, jarring for me. <laughs> <laughs> even though there's, you know, nothing happening apart from a few looks. Um, yeah. And it's probably because my Has anybody ever taken a picture of you unexpectedly? No, not yet. Okay. I think they'd probably be too like polite, self-conscious. Yeah, maybe because like that's a big thing in Asia. Like, where if you look different, like the rest of people, oh, they'll yeah. just like straight up take a picture of you. And it used to happen to my uncle, my Spanish uncle, because he's also tall. I would be really jarred by only being around blonde folks. Um, if yeah. I'm honest, I I'm you know even though I I do have white family, um, I pretty much had one white family member that I grew up around my British nan. But yeah, like I'm never really around that many white people. I was when I worked in the corporate world uh, and that was always interesting. But mm. now that I even live in a brown country, when I see one, I'm just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> You're so shocking. Why are you here? But if I saw a whole bunch of them, that would be a lot. That would be wild. Um, <laughs> what, is the what is the experience you feel when you see another brown person? I always look at them and try and make eye contact and just be like, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, people are just so obsessed with their phones. No one, yeah, I'm right, always like, no yeah, listening to music. Let me take in my surroundings. Yeah, you're just like uh, waiting for the moment to be like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Because yeah. I thought it would be more of a thing of like when you saw each other in person, you'd be like, hey, hi, you know? <laughs> but that's not happening. <laughs> That's hilarious. Quite lucky. Um, in my job, um, we've had a lot of people come and do internships with us. And to be able to like bring on mm. just all different kinds of backgrounds and people immigrating from so many different countries to come and like give them opportunity to get into the workforce. So that kind of make gives me some hope that sure. They are, there are people here who yeah. are not, yeah, tall and blonde and, you know, who might have some kind of similar background to me in some way. And we can talk about like different kinds of foods that we have had mm -hmm. um, and have those food stories. Uh, but yeah, there is hope. How, how is the transition to access to more Swedish, I guess like you'd have probably more access to Swedish food than food that you're used to? Oh, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, food here is quite expensive. Mm. And there isn't that much variety. You know, like, obviously, I'm comparing it to London, where sure, yeah. you have everything on your doorstep and everything is, like, you know, accessible price-wise as well. Mm. And here, I guess, you know, if I want it, I can go get it, but I have to pay for it. And the Filipino in me doesn't want to pay for it when I know I can make it better at home. I, I recognize <laughs> that too. Oh uh, yeah. It can be, it's, it's, you get used to something and not having available readily to, um, do yeah. they, so I guess it's more of like the importing reason would be why the food 
like more cultural foods might be? I don't know. I think um, they pay quite well in the service industry. Okay. I think that has to, yeah, and probably tax or something. But um, I think even the food that I would want to eat, you know, like good Indian food, Mm -hmm. cheap Vietnamese food, um, fried chicken as well. (laughs) <laughs> like, I've also struggled with that. Um, I've attempted to eat Chinese food twice here, and both, oh, yeah. one time it was awful. One time, and it was touted the best Chinese in Mexico, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> um, uh, one time it was okay. It was it was like a you know like a fast food level, like a Panda Express or something like that. I don't know if they have Panda Express in the UK, but um, no. it's it's good for what it is. You yeah. know, when you want fast food, uh, yeah. Japanese food here. you know what it's like it's like america already bastardized japanese food yeah and then they brought the american bastardized japanese food to mexico and so it's like three levels of not japanese i guess for me and so i i've had like one thing that tasted good and most things that don't and i've been to a few places and i was even with friends that were like just oh this is so good and i'm just like i don't want to be that guy you know, yeah. like, I don't want to be that person that's just like, well, in Japan, which I've never been to, but I'm just Japanese, you know, like, we would never put this sauce on this or whatever. And yeah. like, I was horrified because one of the people I ate with put peanut sauce on a Japanese roll. And I'm like, we don't, we don't do peanuts. Like, that's not, yeah. that's it. And they're like, well, it's all Asian food, isn't it? And I was like, oh, gosh. I, it's kind of so... like, um, you know, MasterChef, <laughs> when mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing an Asian salad yeah and it's like but what is what part of it is asian though like the hoisin sauce is what makes it asian like come on yeah yeah and just to yeah generalize oh yeah it's asian it's yeah yeah, it all goes well together right uh, whatever that's why when i ask people on the show like do you have a favorite hybrid food i say hybrid not fusion because fusion to me brings up like how westerners have decided all asian food works together yeah. like you just said you know and it's just like i mean there's times you see something on the menu and i'm just like i fully take offense to this dish <laughs> like i don't even have to taste it um our countries do not get along so i'm fully offended by this di- you know like something like that um even as i'm welcoming of all people when it comes to my food like don't fuck with this like i'm a full yeah. inter- like interracial person who's like don't mix the food <laughs> yeah yeah in the way if you're not from the cultures like if you're an asian person and you've mixed a different culture with your food you're so thoughtful about the way you do it whereas like an american fusion asian restaurant is some white guy who grew up in ohio yeah who's just like i'm gonna mix this cabbage with this peanut sauce and this wasabi and you're just like okay none of these yeah yeah can you get it in the grocery store so you can make it at home if I mean, I'm not yeah. a cook, but can yeah. you? Okay. Being also here has really made me cook a lot more Filipino mm. food um, and host brunches where it's just Filipino food and where I will nice. make um, show pal asado and make my own longanisa and yeah, make chili, garlic, vinegar, dipping sauce for some pork, scrap for some chicharron. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that's. Awesome. It's crazy how like you don't realize what you'll be giving up mm. and and how it almost forced you to like re-engage to yeah. 
to your cultures. I can find some of my Japanese food. I can't find all of it yet, but um, mm. you know, we'll we'll build our, we'll we'll build up to it. I did bring my rice cooker though. That came on the plane with me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a um, special like one from Japan? It's a zojirushi um, one, so it it sings to you. Uh, and and the <laughs> thing is, my so I got my rite of passage rice cooker, which was a sanyo, and my grandma gave it to me when I got my first apartment. And for 19 years, that thing worked really hard. Yeah. Um, my husband, in an attempt to be very thoughtful, was trying to wash it out because we were living in Houston at the time, and Houston there is a cockroach problem, no matter how clean you are. And he noticed some cockroaches were inside it. So he tried to clean it out and he ended up submerging it. Mm-hmm. And in the submersion of, <laughs> of it, he killed it. I was like, why did you think you can put an electronic device inside water? And Tristan. he's like, he thought, I know, Tristan, Tristan, <laughs> uh, he thought it could dry out and um, it oh. didn't. So it never came back to life. It would have still been working to this day had it had it not but did you try to put the rice cooker in rice to see if that i mean yes actually (laughs) 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 the very thing that you're meant to cook will save you um it didn't it didn't save it um and then also there's just a tragedy (laughs) you know you know then it's then there's like blaming the non-japanese rice as the reason why it didn't come back to life because i didn't want to ruin perfectly good japanese rice so i took somebody else's rice yeah you know but yeah no it didn't come back to life that being said i'm glad that i was finally able to get because that's like the you know from a mixed japanese kid i was just like i gotta get i gotta get the little elephant like the little this little elephant icon i gotta get it it sings to you you know and when i got it i felt very special so i'm glad i have it i'm sad about i actually feel like my my original one was more sturdy if i'm honest Uh, because once Americans started to buy rice cookers, rice cookers got less quality to mm. it. So I think if I travel to Japan, I will buy one in Japan. Yeah. And and stuff and and go from there because like the one my grandma used when I was growing up, she was using when she was growing up. Like it's still oh. the one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's passed uh, down from generation to generation. Yeah. Love that. Like. Like, if you could just really be like, well, what would you want when, you know, so-and-so passes away and be like, is it bad that I want the rice cooker? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, you could keep the money. Just give me the rice cooker. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did bring it with me on the plane because I didn't think I could last very long. And I do not have the talent for stove um, stove rice. I can't. I can't figure it it's out. Cool. So. I used to be able to do it back in London, but I think it's, I need the pot my mom cooks rice in to be able to cook yes. rice. Yes. Without it being stodgy or too dry or burnt, I right. need that pot. That's the pot. All right. <laughs> yeah. That goes on the list of like when you get too old. That's, yeah. that's put that on my. Don't list. need any money. No jewelry. No jewelry. Pot. Yeah. I don't want anything. Yeah. My um. I don't want the big cupboard or the whatever. Just rice cooker. That's all. Rice cooker. And there's a there's a ring. There's a, a black pearl ring that my grandmother had. That oh wow. Those two things. I would. Because pearls, black pearls for Japanese are, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, so it's funny. The yeah. Asian women jewelry. Yes. Like my it's funny. It's like so people. not my personal aesthetic, but when you see it, you're just like, ooh, fancy. You know, like that would be, <laughs> I would be so fancy if I could wear my grandma's ring. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm just enjoying, like, I feel like this 
a whole episode has gone like totally different than it normally goes. I'm having such a blast with you. Uh, but I don't want to like ignore some of the stuff that you might actually want to talk about. I'm just like, let's talk about the stuff about you that I want to talk about. Um, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you this feel- is script would be Yeah, like this is like, I just went off script real fast. Like, oh no, what's happening? Uh, but I, I didn't expect, you know, like I'm meeting you guys the first time, like the time that I press yeah. record with you is I'm, I'm meeting you and, and it just, some of the stuff you said, I'm just like, oh, oh, me too. Oh, me too. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always happen that I, I can connect with the me too's that, that often, but we have a lot of parallels and it's just funny that you're named for- my partner um, <laughs> as well that y'all share a name so it's like the sweden a long-term thing you, you know you and your partner are there do you think you're going to have to adapt to being a mixed filipino in sweden for the long term for the foreseeable future mm -hmm. uh, you never know what's going to happen True. um i think london will always be home for me mm -hmm. um and I think the one thing that me and my partner agree on is we don't want to die here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's such a real thing. Like, I didn't even think about where do I want to die? I have no yeah. idea. We don't want to die here. <laughs> yeah. Is there a particular reason just because you'd be surrounded by like blue eyes or? Oh my God, like <laughs> white water. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you cross over to the other side here right <laughs> right um, I don't know I think it, it's nice to be here um I think the ideal scenario would be we do six months here and six months like you know if we do six months back in London oh my god you and I <laughs> literally tell people that my ideal situation is that I do six months in the UK and six months in Mexico. Like that's, I want to be there during the hot season. I want to be here during the, yeah. the, yeah, not hot. Yeah, it's it still hot. <laughs> yeah. Just not the, not the, I'm going to die hot, which is what it is yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, okay. You need to get that passport. Yeah. I got to get that, that burgundy passport really. I know, but they're blue now. Oh, are they blue? Yeah. See, this is this shows me how long it's been since I've even tried to look into it. They were burgundy back when I was looking into it. Yeah, I've still got mine. Uh, it hasn't expired yet from pre-Brexit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, pre-Brexit. Oh, will that be a sad day? Like when you have to change yeah. that one out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get so attached to like the way things should be. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it, the summers here are absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, and there is just so much nature. Like you can be walking around in the city and just jump in the water for a swim. It's like that clean. Oh, um, so yeah, where we live, I just walk down the street and sunbathe and go swimming. It's like Baltic cold, but mm -hmm. it's you'll act and wait. You know, you'll be there long enough. You'll get get used. Yeah, to that. yeah. So I think there are so many benefits about being here, and I think the nature and the space. But I think it is just you know my people back home and mm. my barber as well I haven't found a good barber here oh my gosh right like they just don't how do you communicate it in the way that it's like no but this isn't the right way yeah oh but yeah I don't think they're used to cutting Asian hair mm -hmm. um so yeah they're either not used to cutting Asian hair or they're used to cutting a very specific type of overstyled mm -hmm. hair you mm -hmm. know with like shaved parting yeah, down yeah. there and hairspray quiff and 
a neither of those. I'm just a guy wanting a simple short back and side. I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't realize I needed to communicate. I have Asian textured hair. Like, I've always been able to communicate that as a mixed black person, I don't have black textured hair, but my hair is mixed. Like, there's times it becomes more obvious that I have black in me if I'm in humidity, if my hair grows long. But now at the length that I keep it out, this is just Asian hair. And some people cannot cut it without making me look like like a little Asian boy. You know, like, which, you know. And that's not the look that you want. Yeah, like not in the moment. I mean, you know, I'm I'm I feel very bi-gendered and there's times when my masculinity is more present than others, but like yeah, I, when I, I can't rock the Asian boy hairdo anymore. Uh, yeah. Good here. It, it's a yeah, it needs a very skilled person mm. to be able to cut Asian hair. Mm-hmm. Um you know, people will think, oh, but it's just so straight. No, it must be so easy to cut. But it is straight. But yeah. it grows straight out. Yeah, it goes like this and that, like a hundred percent. I shaved my head a couple yeah. of years ago during the pandemic, and as I grew back, I thought I would have more of a black experience, black hair growth experience, hair journey. And instead, I had the hair of the rising sun. Like it just went straight <laughs> up like this. I I had a full on like Dragon Ball Z situation going on for the longest time until it finally got like our hair is heavy. But yeah. it takes a long time for it to flip yeah. down. So it just yeah. sat there like this yeah. for months. It needs months a lot months. of weight to make it like sit flat. Yeah. And when it starts sitting flat, it starts doing all of these crazy things. Right. <laughs> it's like this goes that way, this goes that way. Yeah, yeah it's a whole thing. So yeah, these yeah. are the things you don't think about when you leave country. Like, no. will you find someone who could do your hair? Will you find your food in the grocery? Will you find your food out in the world? See, yeah. Because I can't cook. So it's a whole thing. I have, I make five things, you know, like that's pretty much it. And um, right now where I'm living, I can't get the ingredients. I can't get at least one ingredient to each thing I know how to make. (laughs) So I can't make anything. (laughs) So I just, I have to adapt to the local food. Um, But are those things going to be hard to get? Well, like I can get a lot of the sauces, which is great. Yeah. I can get my rice. I can get my my particular favorite brand of Japanese rice, nashiki. I can get that here. I can't get uh, senbei, which is like the rice cracker that I really love. I can't get that here. Um, I can't get my my Japanese curry, which is we call um, kare. I can't yeah. get that here. Yeah. And that's like a staple. Like that's a once yeah. at least once a month type of thing. Yeah. Um, so there, or there's like a noodle I can't get or this or that. The other day I did find a, a, a package yakisoba noodle that I used yeah. to always get as like, a, I don't want to really cook. So I, but I want yakisoba, yeah. you know, kind of like Japanese chow, uh, chow mein. Uh, I found three packets of that in the store the other day. I got all of it and I damn near cried. Like I was so <laughs> excited that I found it. Um, the way I guessed Tristan thought I got hurt. Like he was like, what? And I was just like, it's <laughs> yeah, I was very excited. Um, you know, so things like that. And then on the black side, uh, so far, uh, I found a person here who knows how to cook. I can't cook. Like in my black family, the men cooked. So I never learned how yeah. to, to cook like we cook. <laughs> um, so I can go now to this person. I can pay them. They can yeah. make food and stuff like that. But yeah. I can't get, I can't get like, black sauces i can't get seasonings that we have okay. so i've put yeah. it on a list of people like if you're going to come and visit me this is the toll 
yeah. I need these seasonings. I need this thing. I need you to give yeah. me a thing and you bring it. That's what happens yeah. if you're going to come visit me. And um, if the checklist isn't marked off, you're not coming in. Yeah. Then you're going to have to pay for my house like it's a hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you either bring me my, my seasoning or you're paying for my Airbnb. Um, yeah. My house is now an Airbnb. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how it's going to be. That's that's funny. I I have really enjoyed talking to you. I think we're gonna have to be friends, whether you like it or not. Um, so sure. that's that's just what's gonna be the thing now. Uh, you with your sexy little sick sick voice that you got going on. <laughs> yeah. I I really enjoy my time with you. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to ask you, what do you love most about being mixed? Hmm, <sighs> that's a very good question. And I have listened to your podcast, and I should have been prepared for this answer. I I actually love when nobody's prepared for it if I'm honest because that's where I think like the real thing will pop out yeah I love knowing that I come from two you know strong cultural backgrounds mm -hmm. and even if it isn't shown and I don't express it in my day-to-day -day life I know that all that history is just swishing around <laughs> inside all over you yeah 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 yeah, I think that's, that's it. And the love of garlic. I mean, <laughs> the garlic is, uh, it's important. You need it. You need it. It's good for your skin. It's good for your skin. Um, <laughs> well, thank coconut you. oil as well, apparently. There you go. <laughs> Keeping your skin the way, you know, doing the things. Yeah. We, I mean, Asian don't raisin is true. Yeah. Until we're like 88. And then all of a sudden and then it just does that. deep raisin. Yeah. <laughs> but cool. until then, you know, cocoa on oil, shea oil, yeah. butter, yeah. things like that. You know, you got to take, take care of this beautiful. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for yeah. uh, coming on to the show. Is there any last things that you want to say before we get out of here? Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Um, and yeah. I was quite scared, but yeah, you have been so warm and welcoming. So good. So you had a good time. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. too hard to do. <laughs> no, no. Excellent. Um, yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.